All right, we are officially live on Facebook. Hello, 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 everybody. I am Paige Zinn, founder of Playthink, Playthink University, Visionaries at Play, um, and at least three other things that I'm not going to ramble off to you guys right now. I'm here with Nola Bunny. She is a amazing, badass, New York City-based performer, and I really want to hear all about her, and I know that you do too, so welcome to episode three. Tune in to Authenticity with Nola Bunny of the Inventors of Tomorrow. All right, Nola. Hey, thank you for being here. Can you tell me? Yeah, totally. I'm so stoked. I'm like, this has been the most exciting thing that I've done in years, like getting to talk to the best of the best of the best, these masterminds of that are creating new paradigms in the world. And you're one of those. Like, I can't, I couldn't not talk to you, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So please, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do in all of the massive amount of entrepreneurial things that you do in your life? I know, I know. So first of all, I really do appreciate you asking me to be on board because I know I mentioned this to you privately, but I've been in the entertainment industry for nine and a half years now, and it's always been a goal for somebody to ask me to be on their podcast. So this is like super exciting that someone finally asked me, and I I love that it's you because I know we are both mad women that do like a million things. Yeah, so... I've been an entertainer for, like I just said, about nine and a half years now. Um, my biggest passions in the industry now are burlesque and acting, um, and I also really love modeling. Um, I have three businesses. I have my production company, where I like manage talent and I get to dress them up when we have live events. Um, and that that's something that of course excites me because I love putting my performers in identical costumes. It's very fun for me. I also have my online vintage shop. And then my newest business, how me and Paige met, is my coaching mentor business, Unapologetic Play, where I help women and non-binary folks become their most authentic wild selves. What does wild self mean? I wrote that out a couple of times. I was like, okay, so like, I think I get it, but I want to know more. Okay, yeah. So wild is a word that has always felt really good to me. But I actually, over the summer, I did read Women Who Run With The Wolves. And I really resonated with everything that was said in that book about wild. Because like like it's stated in that book, but for anyone who has not read it, to me, wild is just being your most natural self with no shame, just like every letting every part of you come to life. And I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot more about this, but what like the business that I'm building off of Unapologetic Play is allowing yourself to be both playful and silly and wild and sensual and stylish and you know like those are all things that come so naturally to me and that's what makes me my one whole person so I think yeah just like wild is like just embracing that natural part of you but like I do also imagine leopard print and tiger print and running around in the woods and all but that's also something very natural you know Mm -hmm. so yeah So what I'm hearing is that it's really stripping away all of the predetermined, indoctrinated thoughts and patterns that, like, have been put on us really starting at birth. Totally. Like, tapping into that raw potential that, taking away every single thing else that's not us. Yes, absolutely. I love it. 
I love that. Um, I agree. So starting Play Think, I really started it because I wanted to learn how to hula hoop better. (laughs) I started hula hooping in, I don't know now, man, 2007? So long ago. So in 2007, I started hula hooping and I ran out of local teachers. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start this program or this, this festival to bring in instructors from all over the nation so I can learn better the first year that's definitely what it was about and after that it opened me up to be like no this is so much more than that like I it lit me up to be able to to really organize my version of players organization and like creating a feng shui of things around an event or around a space and creating a safe fun space for people And so it really turned into that. And I think what's so amazing and transformative about Playthink is that it allows people to remove those expectations from society. They're like, oh, these strangers are smiling at me and I have my weirdest clothes on and they don't care. In fact, I'm celebrated for it. So it's really big for me. And I'm on the the same mission, very much so. I know. I think that's why we get along. Also, I would just like to say that I definitely agree with the like organizing being play because I've imagined being a producer since I was like at least 17, 18 years old. Like I just love the idea of putting all of this together, the performers, the costumes, the decor, you know, like picking a theme and just like seeing it all come together is something that really excites me too. So I think that's something that we both like agree on, even though we would probably do things in completely different ways. Doesn't everybody do things in completely different ways? Absolutely. That's the magic. (laughs) So you've mentioned unapologetic play and I have an inkling, but will you tell me more about what it is, how it came to be, and kind of how it serves other people. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually an interesting story to me. So I started, um, you know, obviously the entertainment industry is not really doing well right now, unfortunately. (laughs) So instead of, you know, like just like being like sad and depressed, I'm like, let's just keep going and see what's gonna happen next in my life. So I actually signed up with a business mentor, um, a performance business mentor, who brought me to my other business coach. And when I first signed up with her, she's specifically an online business coach. I honestly, I was very drawn to her as a person, but I, something made me sign up and it's probably because it was something that was meant to be in my life but I really didn't even know that I wanted to be an online coach an online mentor but I went I signed up in this class and hearing all the other um all my other colleagues all the other students the gears just started turning in my head and I just birthed unapologetic play and it's really unapologetic play is everything that I am but I realized that not everybody feels comfortable just being their most authentic self so as I started creating unapologetic play I realized that to me there are five philosophies of unapologetic play and I mentioned them quickly before but I will repeat them since it's extra relevant right now so stay playful let your silly out be wild live wildly 
explore your style and express your sensuality. And it's really interesting when I first started Unapologetic Play, I, I, I have a Facebook group. If, if any woman and non-binary person cares to join, you can just look up Unapologetic Play on Facebook. And when I first opened Unapologetic Play up, I, ha I had this un Unapologetic Play challenge where each day I introduced one of the five philosophies and I invited everyone to come in and express it. And it's really interesting how some were really hard for people. One that was particularly difficult was let your silly out. And the other one was sensuality was pretty difficult for a lot of people. And that was something that was really interesting for me. Let me just say that Unapologetic Play is brand new. It, it's only been around since November 2020. Um, but I didn't even realize how many people need to like have that push to be silly, be playful, be wild, be sensual. Oh, it's and massive. I also feel like society doesn't always allow all of those things to go hand in hand. You know, like we've kind of been conditioned like, oh, you like, don't, don't, I'm the kind of person you'll see me like dancing in the supermarket. And I feel like we've almost been conditioned like not to be like that. And to me, that's like being playful and silly. And like, I, I also have this like childlike innocence to me, but I'm also a very like sensual, expressive person. And I feel like almost society doesn't allow us to believe that we can be both of those things too. So I feel like through unapologetic play, I just want to like be that cheerleader that you can be everything that you are and maybe those five philosophies don't even resonate with you and that's totally okay just be be all the things all the things that make you your whole person without shame so something that's coming up for me coming alive for me as you're speaking um play which is totally like my mission in life for people hence play think but the play and sensuality together you know that seems like it's really torn apart in today's culture and can you be sensual and playful at the same time? Like other than, you know, you're like, oh, what a tease. That's the only thing that can come up in my mind as I'm thinking of those two things together. Can you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, totally. So I actually have a performance of very, that's very dear to my heart that I would like to share. Um, it, I call it my splash dance and I, I like go wild in paint like I like pour paint all over myself and I'm like dancing and like I even have versions where I rip my clothes off and I'm completely nude and it's like it's a very sexy piece but it's also very very childlike because I'm not like making a flower or like some like magical visual art it's really just like finger painting all over my body all over the sheet and i feel like that is one thing to me where i'm like meshing those two worlds of like that like chaotic childlike uninhibited play and then like that really like sensual movement the nudity is very sensual and like so that's like one way i'm not sure if that's really answering your question but that's like one way to me where i have mesh those worlds and that's like a, a a performance art piece that's very dear to my heart i i love that it makes me think about um the the kink community and the things the philosophies that come up within that 
Um, I don't even know enough to speak about it intelligently, but I think that there, you know, there's an entire community of people that are very well able to mix those philosophies and do it well and do it in a way that people feel like it's consensual and pleasurable and fun and fulfilling and, and healing. Yeah, totally. I've actually had the opportunity to work at quite a few BDSM events and like it, it is a really wonderful community because consent is the most important thing. Yes. If you, if you cross the line, you are out of that event and probably out of the community, you know, like they like safety is so important, but like it is so interesting that there's like it, it's all see that's actually something else that i was thinking of when you said like meshing the world like yeah definitely the bdsm king community is all about like meshing the play and the sexiness and mm -hmm. and i absolutely love it yeah beautiful maybe i'll have to uh find somebody that is deep in the kink community they can tell us more about that playful totally, sensuality in totally. the future I can introduce you to some people and i'd also just like to make a side note since i mentioned the word consent and i know like you're like that's so important to you i i'm sure that you raise your son to like understand what consent is oh girl <laughs> yeah 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 well you know i made a realization recently that i did not know the word consent until I started working at BDSM events. I also didn't really understand the word boundaries until very recently. Like, I, maybe things are changing now with parents like you, but I feel like a lot of kids, like when we were young, didn't even, those words were not even put in our in our reality absolutely and i still don't use the word consent a lot with my son but starting at a very young age i mean before he could talk we would be like hey i'm going to give you a hug now and you could tell by his body language a smile or a frown or whether he was crying and whether or not that was okay and of course as a parent we learn through intuition but let's say a grandparent comes and as you know most grandparents assume that they can hug and squeeze and love on a baby and if he said no the answer was no and I had yeah. to set strong boundaries yeah, yeah. for my child to show him what consent was but children and most of today's culture I think um, children are are forced they into affection so of course they don't know what consent is of course when they turn into 13 14 15 16 year old boys they're gonna do what's always been done to them oh well I had to hug my grandparents I had to hug this stranger I had to sit on this man's strange man's lap every Christmas yeah, yeah. Um, whatever without without any say so there's nothing wrong with it here totally yeah, yeah. And so it really takes like paying attention to those nuanced levels of things to to provide the example of consent. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm happy there's people like you who are teaching their boys to just how to human proper. <laughs> I'm still teaching myself how to human proper. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's an it's a ongoing journey for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a conversation that I have with my partner a lot these days, um, he's not my son's father, is that whatever you want, whatever behavior that you don't want my child to have or you don't want this child to have, you have to be an example of, the, of what you do want. You know, so if you don't want him to tease and joke or tickle you without consent, then don't do it to him. 
absolutely. And there are a lot of adults that don't want to look at themselves in that way. You know, do you say please every single time you ask for something? Because if you don't, you're not being a good example to this child. Yeah, I used to work at a daycare and like the language that we have to use in daycare, like instead of saying no running, like use your walking feet and like that whole Mm -hmm. language. And then I feel like we don't even like adults don't talk to each other like that. (laughs) What, how would the world be different if us as adults, when we started explaining our boundaries to people, used it in positive frames? Treat me this way, please versus hey don't do this yeah absolutely like i'm still learning how to boundaries has been a theme for me this past week and i feel like the stronger i get as a person the easier it gets but then there's still those certain relationships where it's like ah this is really awkward and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. i'm finding that it's okay to sit in the discomfort of things totally Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah So on all of that, what is one rule that you live by every single day? It pops up in your mind and you really like, this is a value that I hold dear. Yeah. Um, I would say that something I have felt is important for as long as I can remember is fun. I, I believe that life is supposed to be fun, you know, like, unfortunately, we're not all going to be here forever. And like, do you want to have lived your life? Like, now I, some people may love their office jobs. So I'm not trying to like put that down for like people who do, but like for the people who are miserable, do you really want to live the rest of your life in a cubicle? Or do you like, what do you really want to do? Like I've talked to so many people who are not really doing what they want to do or even believe that you're allowed to do what you want to do in this life you know like I I've I've always had the mindset like ever since I was a child I'm like I'm gonna be an entertainer so like I do feel like the more I learn about manifestation I guess I've technically been manifesting my life since I was like your son's age but yeah, I, I think fun. Have fun and do what do what makes you feel good. <laughs> I started my career at a desk job. So I went to college um, to be a pilot. I got my undergrad in aviation administration. I'd originally planned on doing flight and being like a commercial airline pilot, but woman in a male-dominated field. I would wear my heels out to the flight field and get hit on by every one of my instructors. And after eight, I was like, screw this. I'm done. I'm going to go to the admin side. (laughs) But um, I got my graduate degree in public administration and I worked for the Kentucky Department of Aviation for about 10 years. And at first I was like, I'm in my dream job. I'm in my dream field. I'm like, I'm loving this. But day by day, I was like, this is lame. I'm like sitting at a computer. They don't value who I am or what I do. I'm one of the only women here. I'm by far the youngest, by far the most educated. And it was very glaringly not a good fit as the years went on. And so a lot of times um, I I think about that in my day-to-day life and I'm so incredibly grateful that I'm not there. I started Playthink while I was at that desk. I started and finished my graduate degree while I was at that desk. I got pregnant 
and had my baby while I was there. I went back to work about a month and a half after maternity leave. And I was like, I no, I'm not doing this anymore. So I went back for about a month and then I left again and I've not been back. And that's been about a little over six years now. And it is amazing. And as much as it was in my dream field, it's that desk work is just, it's working for somebody else's pleasure points. You know, there's something else that you said that's coming alive for me too, is um, not being valued even if you are working in your dream field. And I think that's a big reason why I like to create my own opportunities for myself and other people, even in the entertainment industry realm, because I haven't been valued or welcomed in to a lot of the nightlife, burlesque, like, um, and entertainment ve- uh, events and venues in, in my area and like I feel like I, I've, I've been made to feel like an outcast so much in my life and that's like another reason why I have unapologetic play for all the misfits in the world um, and yeah like I, I'm the kind of person that because of that because my art hasn't been valued I like to create my own opportunities so instead of being like alright I'm just going to keep working at the places where people or keep trying to work at places where people aren't really valuing me and my art and my creativity and everything that I have to offer. I'm just going to do my own thing. You know? There's a lot to be said for feeling like you're fitting in. And that's part of what Playthink is too. There's a lot of artists and performers that, you know, they come in and they're like, okay, this is your gig. What do you want from me? And my go-to response is, what do you want to bring? Because if you don't want to bring it, I don't want you here in the first place. Like, I really want your gifts to shine and for you to feel fully wanted, valued, and appreciated in what you actually believe you have to offer. Yeah, totally. I love that. I feel like even in the entertainment industry, as a freelancer, I've done jobs that didn't light me up just for the paycheck, you know? Like, I'm actually realizing... I love working with children. That's another thing. Like, I don't just do like more sensual entertainment. I love working with children as well. But I actually realized I, I've done quite a bit of Queen Elsa gigs. But, but you know, like, even your reaction, I actually realized I don't love the princess gigs. Mm. It doesn't light me up. And I feel like that's an example of a gig that I've just done to get paid. Mm-hmm. I've not seen the movie. So I don't know anything about it other than little children screaming, let it go. <laughs> I never felt like a celebrity until I put an Elsa wing on. <laughs> and then I was a freaking celebrity. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> There's something about princesses. I'll never do another Elsa get, you know, but like... We have lots of time to think right now because of the way the world is. And like, I think I realized like, those gigs just they don't light me up inside so that's fun this is a fun way what how could an Elsa gig be fun and you'd be like oh man I actually I do want to do that Hmm. probably if I was producing the vision around the entire gig mm-hmm. like if I like was really like creating the atmosphere and everything like the activities like if, if it all came directly from me then that probably would make it more fun I like that. There's something about really being in control of the overall vision and bringing in people with the little, like, 
the minute details like, all right, this is my big vision, but I know that these five people can create the micro vision to bring it all into play. There's magic in that. And there's not a lot of people that can do it. And I didn't know that it was a special ability until, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. But um, I've been really happy to find it out. And I, it's amazing to find other people that are also good at it because it's hard to have those conversations with people because they're like, huh? Yeah, I realize, you know, like a lot of creative people are not business minded and they don't know how to be leaders. Like that is a superpower. It really is. Creatives, um, artists really have that artist brain. They want to produce, they want to create. And that's about, and here's another thing. They don't actually want to produce. They don't want to be production. They want to create. That means they yeah, create yeah. one of, and, and then they go on. Like, okay, here's your time slot. Go, go, go do the thing. Exactly. And, um, it's just part of the way that the brains work. And you really have to figure out as, as an organizer, how to work and set the right parameters for those people to blossom. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you like actually ask them like, what do you want to do? <laughs> I love that. I feel like that's been the biggest strength for me over the last 10 years. It's like, I don't want anybody, I don't want to have to tell anybody what to do. Yeah, no, of course. You want them to shine the way that they are going to the most. And people show up better when they know that it's something that they want. Because they're excited. Exactly. It. It's not, it's not just like, Okay, here, here I go. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me how you have become unapologetically you? Did it just start like you were born this way? Or did you have some stories that maybe some experiences that have brought you to this point? I don't know anything that resonates with you there. I love this question. I feel like in all honesty, I have been myself for as long as I can remember, but it did not make my life easy. And it still doesn't make my life easy. I've, um, I wouldn't say I was specifically bullied, but I was definitely made fun of, taken advantage of. I was always that one that was slightly the outcast in friend groups growing up. And that's something that made me very, very depressed as a, as a kid. Um, but it's interesting. It's like now it's my biggest celebration and I'm happy that I didn't let all of those instances tear me down. And like, I remember the silliest things getting made fun of that like now are like trendy. Like I remember in like middle school or early high school, I had a pair of red leopard print skinny jeans and I remember people would like make fun of me for wearing those. Like I know it's... I can't imagine how hot those would be right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember getting made fun of for, I still have them, my blue turquoise cowgirl boots. Like these silly little things and then like not too long after like cowgirl boots are trending and everyone's wearing them and like leopard print is like the coolest thing so it's it's very it's very silly i've been i've been made fun of for my haircut for those that are listening in um i have a very dramatic angled bob and that's something that i've been rocking for about 10 years and like i remember people like making fun of me being like oh hair by edward scissorhands so i've had to meanies the silliest thing it's the silliest things that i 
so so to answer your question i have been myself for as long as i can remember but it has not been easy it has been really freaking hard <laughs> a lot a lot of feeling not so good about myself and then you know like the journey the journey for me has been learning to love myself without wanting to change myself and just becoming so proud of who i am and even if you see um the timeline of like how i used to dress i've always had a quirky style but the more i fall in love with myself and feel confident in myself the more i'm like oh i'm just gonna wear like 1960s psychedelic clothes everywhere and like i don't care if people stare i think it's a celebration <laughs> There are times in my life that I've been a lot more capable of wearing the loud clothing than I am today. And I don't really know why that is. I used to have this, I still have this beautiful rainbow headdress. And at some point I quit wearing it. And it's one of my like goals to start wearing it again and yes, feel, yes. feel good in it, feel confident in it. I am. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say one thing I really like about both of us is that we feel confident without any makeup on, and I think oh, yeah. that's a another superpower. I have not worn makeup in years, really, since performing. Mm -hmm. And I, I only put it on for performing. Yeah, and I, I, I think that that's another thing that's important to me, and like. You know, like, no judgment on people who do it for creative purposes and it makes them feel good. Or people who just, it's part of their routine, like, hey, rock, rock on and be yourself, you know? Like, that's part, you know, like, that's part of what I promote, being yourself. But I actually feel the most myself in a very, very fancy outfit, but no makeup. That just, that makes me feel like myself. Yeah. <laughs> I am not big on jewelry, but I'm big on earrings. Yeah. I want the biggest, flashiest, most beautiful earrings all the time. Necklaces, bracelets, rings, they all get in my way. Um, but earrings are my thing. And hats. I really like hats. hats. We both got great hats on right now. <laughs> I love your hat. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorites. I feel like I really want to get a um, ribbon of some sort and put it all around the brim, though. Ooh, I've been kind of... Yeah. There might be a feather like, involved. Maybe like a beading thing could be cool, too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, how do you feel like your life is different than the average person? Do you feel like you live differently than the average American or the same? You know, or? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Even pre-pandemic, you know, like um, our neighbors, I feel like, so my, myself and my, my partner, Michael, um, we're both freelancers and we both have like a funky, quirky, edgy look to us and I feel like sometimes my neighbors think I'm absolutely insane when I walk out of the house all times of the day in some crazy costume and I think um it's kind of you know it goes back to what I had said before about like doing what living the life that you want to live I know that I'm not meant for an office job a nine-to-five job and I think what makes me different than a lot of people is that I will not accept that into my life. And I know that I will find a way. I've been freelancing for five years now and I've never in those five years 
Anytime I felt the slightest bit of panic, the universe has been like, you're okay, don't worry. And like some opportunity or some money or something happens that's like, okay, I'm really okay. Same. You know? So much the same. Yeah. Isn't it wild? When we can have that uncertain, I mean that like, that trust, that certainty and that faith and trust that everything's going to be okay no matter what, even if you feel like you're about to fall. To have that faith in the world is difficult and yet so freeing all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. I've been, one of the uh, mantras I've been telling people recently is that you're already free. You just have to take the wheel. Right now, somebody else is piloting your experience. And as soon as you reach over and be like, nope, I'm the one in charge. That's it. That's all it takes. Um, but it really does take the courage and bravery to say, I can do this. I do have the trust and the faith that I'm going to be taken care of and that I can take care of myself um, or my children, as you can hear mine babbling in the background. <laughs> um, <laughs> today is our like fourth snow day in a row. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I feel like it takes people like us to remind people that mm-hmm. like it's okay. And I feel like um, it's even like the older generations didn't have the opportunities that we have, like being able to start a business on the internet, you know, like I even feel like my mom who's super supportive, I feel like I've had to like show her like, no, I'm going to be okay because like their generation wasn't able to figure things out in the same way that we are. And I even explained to this to a friend recently who's parents give her a bit of a hard time for being a creative i think it's sometimes outside of certain people's reality that like it's really possible to make money doing the things that you love yeah i don't think that it's been as feasible in the past but beyond that i also don't think that they had such a hard road to go you know the the credit score system didn't even really begin until what was it 1989 i think i I might be butchering that date, but sometime in the 1980s, meaning they could buy a house because they didn't have a credit score. Or they didn't have the level of um, student debt. I I mean, I'm massively in student debt and I just can't, we don't have, we have different limitations and different strengths, different um, opportunities. And so it's really just a completely different time. And my dad was very much a self-employed person most of my life and he still is like i don't know how you're doing it you were so lucky that you've been able to make it this far maybe you should give it up and i'm like what i was like you're 60 some odd years old and you have rocked it out and done amazing for yourself but he can't see the same opportunities for me because we're in such a different age range and once i talked to him about it and explained things to him and he believes in me like he's like if anybody can do it you can like yeah, I've totally. been watching you I just it just seems so hard <laughs> and does your so dad go to play things? um he has yeah oh I love it what kind of things does he do as a freelancer so he is a historian he recently wrote a book um that I am gonna butcher the name so I'm not even gonna try but it's something about <laughs> the artifacts of Kentucky it's totally like your normal history buff coffee table book with beautiful work and beautiful writing he has his uh, his education PhD, and he used to portray. He probably still does sometimes. Simon Kenton and George Rogers Clark in the state of Kentucky at different events. 
but mostly he's a historian and he does he collects antiques collects a um it's like yeah, 1700 style <laughs> mm-hmm. and sells it he does um what's it called it starts the c my brain is not working consignment yes yeah 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 so he does consignment work with kentucky oh, artifacts so cool. he's yeah. a pretty pretty cool dude i feel like i really learned a lot of my entrepreneurial side from him and a lot of my organization from my mom who's a nurse practitioner you got you got both sides and that is something that i want to touch on so i think at that point when your traditional relationships really existed more so than they do now you had everybody you have a man and a woman one of them is a breadwinner one of them either is a breadwinner or a stay-at-home person or can do their own creative thing and I think one of the reasons that my dad felt so secure in him being self-employed was that he had my mom as this stable force bringing in a traditional paycheck and I think a lot of times where he gets worried is that I don't have that stable person to bring in that you know traditional paycheck every week or every two weeks so you're making it work oh yeah i'm fine <laughs> you're doing you're doing the thing i know and like in my partnership myself and my boyfriend are both like taking it month by month i mean mm-hmm. he was um selling books on amazon pre-pandemic and he had been doing that for like 10 some years but i mean i'm not even going to get into the fact that amazon like isn't the best company to work for for many reasons that's a whole other topic (laughs) but um yeah so like we both had to like just jump on changes and figure figure life out (laughs) yeah the majority of my money was coming from live events and very much so you know my entire career my entire yearly salary was taken away in like one fell swoop and i'm like oh god (laughs) everything's gone and you learn how to pivot and you turn how to change you turn how to you realize how to change things to your benefit and what i know more than anything else is i'm one of the most well taken care people in all the universe i don't know how i don't know why but like i am so well taken care of I feel the same way about my life. I've had many experiences where I should not be here. <laughs> yeah. To have zero income in almost the last 12 months, I've been to the beach seven, six times. I've went from one side of the country to the other. I have eaten massive amounts of delicious, luxurious foods. I have been... I've had more money than ever before, in all honesty. I mean, I'm just like, no income, my events died, and here I am living in luxury. That's like what I said to you before about the universe just like somehow taking care of, and like, I always say, like, I believe I'm a very spiritual person. I really do. But I feel like just like my way of life and authenticity, my spirituality may be different than a lot of other people's in the sense that I'm not the kind of person that's going to go out on a full moon and cleanse my crystals necessarily, but I do really believe that the universe does serve and take care of you, and I feel very protected. Yeah, same. It's, It's kind of crazy to think about it when I really sit in and be like, I could eat just as easily, be a person on the streets with nothing to my name. 
And I think that that everybody hits that point at some point in their life. I mean, I've spoken to hundreds and thousands of people um, through my experience with events and artists and it really is like so many people have this story of like, I should be on the streets. I don't know how I'm here today. <laughs> and it's a beautiful, beautiful idea and revelation that we as a human are so resilient and so yeah. capable of receiving the goods and abundance in the world. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get into it, but when I was 21, I was on the brink of death and now I'm 29 and like, the experiences that I had from 21 and earlier to 21 and now is just like, I can't even believe it. And I I was not supposed to pass away. Absolutely not. <laughs> like All the things that I've gotten to experience is really amazing. I don't even know the story and I'm like getting cold chills from it. Oh. <laughs> so what dreams keep you in alignment with your current work? Hmm. I feel like anything I'm doing that is creative and fun and stylish and still like making other people feel something because I feel like everything that I do, even though I do it because it makes me feel good, I do feel like the kind of things that I do are automatically going to make other people feel good. Like my burlesque makes people like feel fun and sexy. and. Being a vintage seller, I am selling something, some wearable art that someone's going to put on and feel amazing. And through unapologetic play, I am guiding people to feel like their best selves. So I would say like anything that I'm doing that is going to make someone else feel a little special, sprinkling some of my pixie dust onto other people. <laughs> Kind of like what you said earlier, when we really tap into what brings us the most pleasure, realizing that like this is truly our light, this is truly what brings me enjoyment, and doing it allows other people to do the same and to release any guilt or shame over being their own true selves and doing their own true passions. We don't live in a culture that encourages pleasure, that encourages having fun or having play. Yeah, and, and you know, it's kind of funny. Another thought that is coming through my head is that when I started Unapologetic Play, initially I was going to like keep my like sexier side out of it um, and, you know, like kind of try to be a more quote unquote professional persona, whatever that even is. But I actually started realizing that my more like sensual pinup style photos I have other women coming into my inbox and being like you are so inspiring to me and that side is very very much alive like I, I love putting lingerie on and putting thigh-high leather boots on and like that makes that makes me feel just as good as putting a pretty pink puppy dress on you know like I live in like rural Midwest America, so I can imagine that sensual and sexy out on the streets here is way different <laughs> than where you're at. Probably, probably. Yeah. But you know what's funny? Even in New York City, I've walked around in like a leopard print cloak and people still give me funny looks. So I feel like 
there's still just like something about me that sometimes makes me feel like I'm like an alien from another time or something. This reminds me of a really good story. Um, so I stayed in New York on Houston Street when I was 12 for, I don't know, a month or something. I don't actually have a clear timeline because of my age, but I stayed with a couple um, that were my fr- parents' friends and they had several kids and I was there with my brother. My brother's two years younger than I am. So I was 12, he was 10, and there was a, a child that came to play with us. And I think that they were somewhere in the 12 range, 15, 15. And their name was Io. And so my brother and like, oh, this person says that they're transgender. They say that they are male. Cool. We don't bat an eye at it. We're like, whatever, that's cool. These New York residents who have grown up in New York City were like, whatever, you're a girl. You have breasts growing. And it was so odd to me that my brother and I from Kentucky we're like, oh yeah, no big deal, whatever. And these people, yeah. you know, th- those cultural differences I thought would be different. So it was and really a good learning that just point. Goes to show you that it's more the person and how like you see the world as opposed to like where you grew up. Yeah. Because you're the kind of person you're just you're just open minded. You have a big heart. You let like one of I think something that me and you get along with is one of our values is just like seeing people for who they are and just appreciating and loving them and not everyone's like that unfortunately and having really full acceptance and understanding that there are so many different experiences that have molded a person to who they are today and a lot of those experiences are not fun and not good and they've had to deal with so much hardship that it's it takes a great deal of empathy and understanding to fully accept somebody I think and if you're not capable of having that empathy and understanding towards yourself then you're less likely to have it for a stranger totally yep yep the more I learn about boundaries and self-love and all that good stuff the more I like look at my friends who aren't quite there yet and I just want to shake them and be like don't let people treat you like that I feel like the better I get at setting boundaries, the better I am at accepting other people's boundaries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But what about, like, even, like, having an easier time letting the negative energy out of your life? Like, I feel like when I was younger, because I was so lonely and I didn't fit in, I pretty much let anyone in my life. And I would almost be, like, a little leechy like ooh, you like me you want to be my friend okay 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 let's be friends mm-hmm. and now I, I feel like it's a balance and I'm still trying to find the balance but like when people start showing me warning signs I just feel like I want to protect my own energy so much and I have a lot easier of a time like letting them go like I still have a difficult time knowing which ones are red flags and which ones are a little boy or girl screaming to be loved. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. which one is like, if I love them just a little bit more, like, and I tell them, this is what, I see this is a red flag, but I feel like this might be from this experience as a child, and can I love you through this? Is this something that we can get past and grow from? And just by maybe communicating it, it helps both of us set better, better boundaries and me choose which people are more worth my time. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's what I'm learning is that like, should I just give this person a couple more chances, you know, or, or are they really like someone that I shouldn't have in my life? And I think it also depends what your relationship with that person is. Of course. Is this simply just like a, a friend? Is this a mentor? Is this a partner? I think when it's someone that's supposed to be teaching you something or someone that you're like giving your intimacy to I think those are two times where it's like all right like are we gonna keep going like this or are changes gonna be yeah I agree fully is there anything else that you have on your mind that you'd like to discuss with people today mm-hmm. I love where like this conversation has gone so many <gasps> different directions that I even realized it would you know i one thing that i would like to share actually is that i am such naturally such like a playful stylish sensual person and i realized very recently that there's actually two things in the play and style realm that i didn't even realize because it's such a natural thing to me that i'm still like learning about so i can't talk too much about it because i'm not super knowledgeable but I just learned that there's something called glamour magic. Mm. Are you familiar with glamour magic? I have not heard of that. I want to learn more about it. And a friend of mine told me, she's like, you're a glamour witch. With like, And it's like this whole thing about like adorning yourself mm. and like being like enchanting through your adornments. And I'm like, well, I... I guess I'm doing that without even realizing. <laughs> and then the other one is that there's this whole philosophy and benefits to play and that's something that I've never thought about researching because it's just so second nature to me but I actually want to research those two things more like the enchantment of endurement and the philosophy and benefits of play I have been steeped in the philosophy of play and being a play professional and being naturally put in that category of being a play professional that at first I was like, huh, what, what's that? And (laughs) since then, since having a kid, I've been looking into playful parenting and really the art of play and across all aspects of life. And to me, play really boils down to, to pleasure. Yeah. I like that. I like that because we play because we want to feel a certain way and that's the same thing with dressing up and I think they go they go hand in hand absolutely I think that play is one of the ways that we can really boost our oxytocin and our serotonin and really get out of a culture today that I think is really just immersed in depression and anxiety I mean everybody I talk to is like I'm depressed and I'm anxious and how could they not be they get up at 6 a.m and they go to work at an office and then they pick up their kids from school they make dinner and then they watch Netflix and they go to bed what it where's the joy yeah my partner Michael and I we are so silly like 1000% of the time we have like our own little language that only we know and like we have we're like we have stuffed animals that we have names for and they're like a part of the family we are like completely like that completely ridiculous couple and like I I think if some people like knew how we were 24 7 they would either absolutely love it or be completely freaked out but that's another thing that I would like to say as like someone who's like having this like 
professional persona. If you go to my Instagram stories, probably at least once every like couple weeks, if not more often, you're gonna see me being really obnoxious to Michael. Like just like completely obnoxious. And honestly, <laughs> I like showing that because that is just as much as me as all my other sides. And like, I, I, I that's another message that I'd like to put out in the world is that you can be ridiculous and obnoxious and really sexy and still be taken completely seriously. Absolutely. Still lead other people to happiness and even more so than somebody that's not. Because I only want to be involved. I only want to be coached. I only want to be taught by somebody that can have joy and pleasure and play in their life. Because why live otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. Why would my child want to live otherwise? They don't want to go to school and work for eight hours a day and not have any play in their day. It's not fun. That's why we have such a high rate of child suicide these days. Like, it's just, we need, as a culture, as a people, as a humans, more play, more pleasure. And a lot of that is by us, me and you and other people showing people that we can have it. And you can still be a productive member of society and still be professional and still be looked well upon and have play. If anything, you're going to be a lot happier of a person because you're not, you're not like holding, you're not like holding back from yourself. That's, um, I... Another point that I would love to share is um, like in the realm of sensuality, I have my family on social media where I post my half naked photos. And I'm at that point, I'm 29 years old, I'm gonna be 30 next year. I am at that point where I am like, if it bothers you, you can remove yourself from my social media. I am not going to hide myself to make you more comfortable. And I have a lot of girlfriends who wanna express themselves. And like, I'm talking girlfriends who are in their mid thirties who still feel like locked up from expressing their sensuality. And like, you cannot care what your family even thinks after a certain point, or you're just gonna be living in a cage. And that's very sad. (laughs) I have a story on that note. Many, many years ago, over 10 years ago, eight, nine, anyway, I was a performer. I performed hula hoop and there was a burlesque show happening in Lexington and I was performing in it. And so I went to perform. My brother was like, hey, I'm going to come down to the show. Cool. No big deal. So I'm, I don't have any idea what's going on. He shows up. Hey, bud, please stop. We get to the door. He gets to the door and he says, I'm, you know, I want to ticket to the burlesque show my sister's playing I think I have a free ticket and he, they were like you know what kind of show this is right <laughs> and he was like I'm not here to see my sister naked I'm not here to see my sister naked like oh, she's God. gonna keep her clothes on and I was because I was I wasn't doing a strip tease of any kind yeah 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 but it was like the person at the door was so concerned for my brother that it turned into like a five minute conversation where they like were battling it out on whether I was keeping my clothes on or not keeping my clothes on. And it was a big deal. And they're they're shaming your brother. Like I, um, I have, my mom has not been to a burlesque show yet, but I would have zero issue if she was, but I have other performers who their mothers and fathers will come. Yeah. We live in a sick society. And it's not that you're like turning your family on. See if people think that that's their that's their yeah. sick issue. Like 
And those things do exist. I mean, obviously, right? That's that is part of the sick culture, but totally, totally. But I think you know we can agree that that's not my intention or my other same my other, my other sexy performers intention. And I mean, like that's like the whole thing behind it is is intention and absolutely and living freely without without like don't I don't want to see people in their mid thirties, forties, fifties still like not living how they. Feel. It's none and of our I, business what other people think of us. Yep. Absolutely. Sexy, not sexy, whatever. It's none of our business. We have to live for us. Yeah. All right. We are running out of time, so I'm going to say adieu, but I'm so grateful. And, like, what an amazing conversation. I'm always happily surprised at kind of the winding path that these All organic the conversations yeah. can touch upon. <laughs> so thank you for being here. Um, thank you for having me, Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you again. And for those of you listening, this has been episode three of The Inventors of Tomorrow. We talked about authenticity with Nola Bunny, a New York City-based performer and multi-entrepreneur, multi-level, you know what I mean. All the things. All the things. We all do all the things. So thank you for listening and tune in for next time. All right, y'all. Thank you. Yeah.